investing in an individual stock is like buying one store in the mall. Right. So if you buy, I don't know, Target, I have nothing, no qualms or pros or cons against Target. <laughs> but if you invest in Target, and think of that like a store, one store in the mall. Think of it like a Foot Locker. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you said. But yep. um, if Foot Locker goes out of business and all your money's in Foot Locker, you are screwed. But mutual and investing in index funds, that's like buying the whole mall. So if, I don't know, Bath and Body Works closes, that's fine. You're still good. So a lot of people want to be active investors because they seen Wolf of Wall Street and that, that shit. That looks cool. Everybody. Yeah. You heard a guy on the golf course say he made $20,000 last week and damn it, you want that $20,000 too. But those stories are few and far between. Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Show. Uh, we are, I think, just an episode away from 50, which is a pretty big milestone uh, for the podcast. So thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, when I did the rebrand, I wanted to bring information and bring guests who could really give you insight on how to change your money game, right? So today we got a really special guest. You know, uh, you know, he's a skinny kid from the Ville, you know, a brother in the kitchen, what he's known for, host yep. of the Weed and Wealth podcast, an avid investor, which is why we have him on the show, a husband, a father, some may say a black hippie, but overall just a chill guy with no further ado. Ladies and gentlemen, Jay, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know, you know, I just gave the, the quick, quick bio, but man, just, you know, why, why, since you're on the show now in your own words, just... Let the people know, you know, who you are, what you're all about, and, you know, all that good stuff. Man, I'm just a dude, man. Late 30s, married, wife, one son, pretty awesome dog, Mr. Cameron. Shout out to him. But, um, <laughs> I mean, more than not, man, I'm just a regular guy. I have a podcast, as he mentioned, Weed and Wealth, and I just am big on trying to help people. Um, reach financial freedom and a lot of people hear financial freedom and think it automatically means early retirement it doesn't mean that I mean you can you can still work to your 70 if you choose to but still and still have financial freedom so I just try to help people realize that there's a better way than having to worry month after month check after check um, about anything dealing with finances yeah yeah nah for sure man um, so what would you say like sparked your financial freedom journey like how did you kind of arrive at this place where it's like you know what I want financial freedom for my life man I didn't know I was trying to reach financial freedom at the time but my parents retired um, in their 50s and you know just being around my dad wanting to compete with him I was just not knowing what I was saying when I was saying it I was like I can beat that. You know, I was in my teens saying I can beat him. 
um, retiring <laughs> in his 50s. And, you know, as I got later in life and more understood money and different principles of money, compound interest, etc., I was like, I can really do this. So that's really uh, where everything came from. Got you. And so this this term of retirement, right? Like, even though it seems for most people when they hear it, it, it seems like this just far date in the future where hopefully I have enough money and I don't have to work my job anymore. So like for you, like how did you arrive at like what retirement looks like? Like when you know you could retire? Because if you ask the average person, I mean, nine out of ten people aren't going to know the answer to that question, right? Just off the street. So like how did how did you even arrive at knowing like, oh, I could retire at this point if I wanted to? Well, I, I knew, I, uh, maybe like six, seven years ago, I started reading different people's um, blogs and just seeing different things on YouTube. And then those people would talk about their salaries and what part of the countries they lived in. And I was thinking, I mean, we're in and around that salary, maybe even a little more than some of those people. But and I was like, well, we could do that. Why, why can't we do that? Mm-hmm. And so me and my wife just started talking about it and I started reading more and thinking about you know the challenges that I gave myself as I mentioned a few minutes ago about you know trying to be my parents in early retirement and I realized that if I stopped um, spending like I had no sense that I could probably do this I mean we always had the 401ks going to a degree I always did the company match mm-hmm. maybe a little more and we were saving and we were investing but we were kind of just doing it to do it without any kind of goal so we started honing in and making goals and even um even a little bit past that i mean we started thinking about it seven eight years ago we really got focused maybe three or four years ago we decided you know we need a hard number we need a set goal to go for and just growing up as a kid or whatever you always thought a million dollars that sounds great from Austin Powers and whatever a million dollars just right exactly so that always sounded great so I took a look at our portfolio and I just ran a bunch of compound interest calculations and if we say this much this year this much this year if the stock market performed at this level we could turn our portfolio into a million dollars in five years so our goal was to turn our portfolio into a million dollars by 2022 and for me or for us getting to that million dollars is key one I stink at math, so it's easy to do the math once you get to a million. But if I get to that million dollars and on the low end, we average a 10% return that year, that's $100,000 just on return. So that's why the million dollars was a key for us to kind of hone in on and focus as like, I guess, like a household goal. Gotcha. So, gotcha. So you, so it sounds like, cause then I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down as simple as possible. Cause I know some of the listeners, you know, are just getting started on their journey, right? right so it right. sounds like what you're saying, right? So if I build up to this million dollar number, and if I could hit a ten percent ROI that year, rate of return that year, so then I could I could effectively generate a hundred thousand dollars in returns. Which if that happens, I could comfortably feel like I could live off that by doing nothing. Because I will admit I'm incredibly lazy. If you've heard my podcast or followed me on Facebook or heard me talk anytime, I'm always pushing. That anyone set make a set it and forget it portfolio. Uh, the common belief is that investing so hard is so difficult that you have to spend hours a month going through and tweaking your portfolio. Trust me, you don't. I'm super lazy. I promise you, there's a very simple 
way to do it, and that's what we tried to stick to. Okay. Well, now you can't just leave the listeners hanging. So, so let's expound upon that a little bit, if you can. What is that simple way to do it that you guys do? Like, what is like we're, if, if if we're looking at your portfolio right now because you're pretty transparent about what you share, mm-hmm. like on your podcast and things of that nature. So, if if someone says, you know what, today's the day. I'm starting my journey. Um, I'm opening up my investment account. Like, what would you say the steps are from how to get to where you basically are just getting started to where you are right now in terms of even down to how to open up the account and what you would choose if if you were if you were then in this position today if i was opening an account today first i would make sure i was if i had access to a 401k i was doing a company match if you're not doing a company match you're doing yourself a great disservice a company match is free money there's not too many instances in life where anybody's going to give you free money. If you have a company match, that is free money. That is the first thing I would do would make sure I was maxing out my 401k. Second, I check and see what my 401k is in. A lot of times companies just sign you up for the most conservative uh, 401k package. So I would make sure I was maxing my 401 doing my company match in my 401k. Um, and no matter what I invested in, it would be a low cost index fund. If you just want to set the simplest portfolio, just pick one or two index funds. And for those who don't know, index funds are a collection of stocks that follow an index. It is the most set it and forget it financial plan I believe you can have. You put your money, and the big thing about investing, it has to be consistent. Month after month, year after year, just consistently putting your money in there, letting it grow. As I tell people often, it's not it's not a get rich quick scheme. You have to look at it in the long term. So long story less long, if I was starting investing today, I would open an investment account or maybe get my company match. But what I would invest in is a low cost index fund. And you don't need a bunch of them because they're already made up of hundreds of stocks. One or two um, index funds, will get you started and you can just pour into that like I said month after month year after year nice nice solid right so like, people I feel like people try to make it more convoluted than it has to be oh, right yes. and so like he said one or it's, it's there's already so well diversified inside that fund so like you don't need to choose a whole bunch or feel like you need to be looking at four screens like they show right. you right and so which which is a, a good segue so what you're talking about is passive investing right yes right and so what are your thoughts? Because I'm, I'm an advocate of passive investing. Yeah, too. Yeah. Like, what, what are your thoughts on active traders? Like, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that in comparison to how you invest? A lot of a lot of people that speak to me, they are very new to investing, and so off gate they say they, they a lot of them come to me with a list. I want to invest in this stock, this stock, this stock, and this stock. And. Personally, I think if you're a new investor and don't have the money to lose, that's a quick way to lose money because I think I heard you say it actually mm-hmm. that investing in an individual stock is like buying one store in the mall. Right. So if you buy, I don't know, Target, I have nothing, no qualms or pros or cons against Target. <laughs> but if you invest in Target and think of that like a store, one store in the mall, think of it like a footlocker. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you said. But yep. um, if Foot Locker goes out of business and all your money's in Foot Locker, you are screwed. But mutual and investing in index funds, that's like buying the whole mall. So if, I don't know, Bath and Body Works closes, that's fine. You're still good. So 
a lot of people want to be active investors because they seen Wolf of Wall Street and that, that shit. That looks cool. Everybody's yeah. screaming it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you heard, guy, yeah. <laughs> you heard a guy on the golf course say he made $20,000 last week. And damn it, you want that 20000 too. But those stories are few and far between. Um, I've seen a lot of new investors that want to be active investors and just get their portfolio and get their hands in it right. that have lost a lot of money. So yeah, yeah. The, the short of it is I'm just... Even now, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert at investing, but I feel I'm a little above average in investing knowledge, and I'm really not an active investor at all. Yeah. I think the thing, the, the, the headlines that you don't hear from these active investors is the reality that, you know, when you're buying and, and selling these, these shares, like there's, you know, commissions and transaction right. fees and, and, and ordinary income taxes if, if you're, you know, taking the gains in the same year. So, like, when we look at, like, our your net return... Is it really worth it at that right. point, right? To play that guessing game, and so some people do it, and I think it's more about like self awareness. Would you agree? Like in the oh, sense sure. of, like, okay, I want to do this as a job. Like, I, you know, I want to leave my job. And I want to be right. trader. That's you. Then yes. go for it, right? But if you're looking to build wealth passively and enjoy your life, because for me, wealth is only about freedom. Oh, for you know sure. What I mean? And so, if your definition of freedom is being behind three screens all day, then by all means, right? Maybe you should be a trader. But I, I, I don't have anything against it. I had a wonderful guest on my show who is an active trader and teaches a lot, a lot of people how to do it. But my personal preference is, is is what you're talking about, and I think it's the most relatable right. in terms of what people can actually do today. But I do right? think it, I don't think it's impossible, but I think it's damn near nearly impossible for somebody that's working. The most people I talk to are working the typical nine to five. Mm-hmm. They actually have to go into an office, so that's more time. Then they have a family, so and they want to be active traders. I just I ask them, when are you going to have time to trade and or sleep? And so, like I said, I know it sounds glamorous and it sounds exciting to be an active trader, but just. If you're a, a regular person with a family and regular commitments, I just don't know how you even have the time to do that. Right. I think the other thing that comes comes to mind is that people are are over glamorizing that the fact that they feel like, oh, I can, if I can become this great trader, I can leave my job and ball out. Right. Mm-hmm. So your mindset is not in the right place. Whereas you, you have a day on the calendar. You're still doing the daily activities. You're mm-hmm. still working, still living a good life, but you're not looking to cash out tonight, right? right? You're looking to build up over time. Whereas the average person, they get attracted to the trading because it's like, oh, if I get this right, I could, you know, leave my job and, and ball out. And see, and you see, the ball out, the ball out thing. I mean, that for the people that I interact with, that's kind of on the same path as me. That doing that, balling out, is never. Um, in the plan for us, I mean it, that if if balling out is kind of your rationale and reasoning for trying to obtain wealth, then I don't think the financial freedom piece is going to come because the balling out piece is going to wipe out what you take. So I, I'm a firm believer, no matter if you have ten thousand dollars in your investment account or ten million dollars in your investment account, if you have bad spending principles. Just I mean, just look at some athletes. No matter what, you're gonna end up broke, as the thirty for thirty was titled. So right, whatever happened there, is it still come on? Thirty for thirty? Yeah, thirty for thirty still comes on. Okay. They were gonna do a second broke um, 
They never did it. Okay. But yeah, thirty for thirty still comes okay. on. Yeah, I guess I just wasn't tapped into yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. Dope. So one one thing that I thought about when you were talking earlier was you said you started talking about it with your wife. You started to read more books, educate yourself. Now, if someone in your shoes, I guess from your perspective, if someone has a significant other, right, mm-hmm. and maybe they're worried, like, man, my, my wife ain't gonna be down for this, my husband ain't gonna be down for this, like, you know, like, what, how would you recommend starting that conversation so that someone who is completely oblivious to the path of, you know, I think there's a happy medium. I don't think you have to, like, be so frugal that you have the, the, the heat off in the wintertime, right? There's a happy medium, oh, but, you know, sure. there, there also has to obviously be some pro- shifts in priorities um, to make a goal like this happen. So what would be, like, your suggestion on how to approach that conversation with a spouse who may not be even aware or as receptive? It sounds like in your situation, it didn't seem like it was much of a challenge, but mm-hmm. um, didn't know if you had any perspective or insight on that. No, I actually talked about it on a um, podcast episode maybe a couple months ago. Uh, actually, one of my favorite uh, Instagram follows is a couple called Rich and Regular. Oh they're yeah, Kirsten. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're out of Atlanta, and yeah. there was there were guests on some episode of somebody else's podcast, and they were talking about how you know he was the one all about the saving, and she was you know it took her a while to get on board. So I'm like, I, I believe that's probably more true than not. I think um, the ease of my situation is probably the least common, but. Um, things I've talked about is, you know, you just have an open conversation with your spouse, like, honey, do you want to, I mean, do we want to do this forever? You know, um, I think a good first step is, you know, just say, hey, let's, you know, let's let's talk about finance, let's talk about something different today, because most couples really don't talk about finances, so mm-hmm. say, hey, let's talk about something different today and just, you know, bring a couple, break out a couple statements, so you guys look at it together and say, man, you know, you see here, we're... We're sitting at this amount, and just put maybe bring in a, a Google or YouTube video or Google article that says, "Man, this says by this age we should be here." You know, we're nowhere close, mm-hmm. and then you know, most people are just unaware. They because a lot of people equate um, doing well financially with their salary. Mm. They don't even think about the net worth. Um, I was read a, I read an article in Boston Globe. I think last year, the black median wealth in Boston. What do you think it is? In Boston, black median wealth twenty grand, eight dollars. No, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dollars. I, I was going a little bit higher, hoping that. No, man, it is a cool eight dollars. That's two drinks at Starbucks. Wow. So um, one if you get the large, right? Right. <laughs> so that's the problem. A lot of people just equate um, salary with having wealth. So your spouse may not even be aware yeah. of your financial situation. So I think just sitting down and just, you know, not berating them or trying to, hey, we're going to do this today, start day. It has to be a joint effort because you can't have, you know, one half of the marriage saying, okay, we're going to save this much extra month. And then the other, like, mm, I'm getting these shoes. So, you know, you just have to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a good opportunity to um, initiate the conversation about a budget. None of this, I don't believe, works without a budget. You, that's step one. Mm-hmm. So that's that having that conversation with your husband or your wife is the best time to say, "Hey, this is where we are. This is where I think we can be. Let's set a budget to see if that's even feasible." Right. So that's step one. You just ease into it. You can't mm-hmm. go into it like, "Oh man, I'm excited. We got to start this today. We're behind the ball." Yeah. Nah, I, I just don't think approach works yeah. so sitting down with your spouse going over the budget and then just running going through a compound interest calculator and just say we have ten thousand dollars if we save eight thousand dollars this year and just assume maybe like a ten percent return i think that's the average for the um, s&p 500 
Um, this is where we can be. And, you know, I think I think more times than not from people I've talked to after a while, the other party starts to get excited and say, oh, man, you know, mm-hmm. because you don't know how people grew up. So right, right. to this per to your spouse, having $10,000 in the bank could be more than they ever imagined they'd have. Right, and right. they always thought, well, I'm going to work at 70 anyway, but if right. I got $10,000 now, I'm good. But, you know, you start maybe text her, text him or her a YouTube video like, hey, babe, watch this. See what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to change the mindset and your spouse will see that, okay, other people are living like this. It's not so far-fetched. Right. Because I know the big thing right now is the fire movement. Yeah, you literally took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, like, what do you like? Would you consider yourself a part of the fire movement? And, and because the guests probably don't know exactly what that is, what is, could you could you define it for us? What is fire? First part of the question. Oh, and do you feel like way. you are a part of the fire movement? The fire movement. I don't know when it started, but um, it stands for financial independence. Retire early. Yeah, yeah, that's it. All right, um, I'm crappy with acronyms, but um, so. A lot of people ask me about the fire movement and say, well, does that mean I have to eat ramen? Does that mean I can't travel? I'm like, no, it doesn't mean any of that. A long story less long, it means set a budget, set a goal, achieve said budget, get financial independence, and if you choose to, retire early. So do I consider myself in fire? I do, but I don't. I use a term called I'm firefly. So, because people think, like like I said, people think that people in fire are just living with the barest minimums, just trying to get by and save every crumb. I don't do that at all. Um, me and my wife, we drive decent cars, and we travel a fair bit, but we have a set budget. See, see once you figure out what your number is, to that you, either your goal is, your retirement number, whatever number you decide... Maybe you're saving money to you want to be at thirty thousand dollars in two years. Whatever number you decide is your goal. Once you set that number and set your budget, then you can spend as you want. Once you've satisfied your budget and you feel and it's and it's so freeing, it's guilt-free spending. Because before before we had a budget, we'd spend and be like, oh damn, we really spent a lot of money that month. But after you set a budget, you set up those automatic transfers, and you know that you've already. Um, fulfilled your budget for the month mm-hmm. then you don't mind when there's no money left at the end of the month because you even budgeted for the extra, the fun stuff mm-hmm. but the, like I said, the key to all of that is setting that budget so you can set that budget, you can live a fire lifestyle, you don't even have to call it fire, you can call it whatever you want to call right. it I'm just saving to change my family's future I don't care what you call it, right. but once you decide to like I said, you got to make realistic budgets. That's another thing. I, I help people set budgets, and they'll come back to me with a budget. I'm like, okay, let's be real. You're you're spend you're gonna spend more than fifty dollars on food a on month, food, right. but you, you got to make it realistic because if you don't make that budget realistic, like I said that's the first step. You're gonna get so disinterested. You're gonna get so down about not hitting your budget. You're just gonna let it all fall to the wayside. But if you go out there and set a real realistic budget. And it may be embarrassing for you once you set that realistic budget and you say, damn, I really spend $400 on food a month. If you do, you do. But just set the realistic budget. And then as you start to track it, you might can tweak it. And if you tweak your budget here, like, ooh, I'm spending this on cable. 
if you are spending on cable, I suggest switching to streaming. But, you know, just tweak it here and there, and you can find extra money here, extra money there, and you can give yourself a raise without actually getting any extra money, but you can be saving extra money because you can find extra pockets where you can cut here and there. So No, absolutely. That's, that's really good. And I feel like so many people are scared of the word budget, right? They hear the word budget, and it feels like yes. so constricting. So, like, what do you feel like people should do like if when they're when they're first trying to set their budget so they can kind of like get over the hurdle of feeling like man if I create this budget I'm not going to be able to spend my money or do anything like how do you recommend like approaching that so that you're at a place where it's like okay this is doable I can make this work and I'm not going to be penny pinching my entire life again you have to be realistic with yourself you can't make your budget based on what you'd like to spend. If you know for the last five months you've been spending $400 a month on entertainment, just set that in your budget. Your initial budget should be what you're actually spending, not what you hope you get to the point of spending, but what you're actually spending. So set up that initial budget properly and then just track it for the next couple months. If for the next couple months you're still spending what you were spending a couple months ago, then you know you have to prioritize what you're going to spend on. Mortgage, that's that's fixed. So when when I initially start doing our budget, we do it first. We start doing it pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Eh, that didn't work. So then we start doing it in Excel. That helped a bit more because we could categorize it. So we categorize categorize your fixed incomes, then categorize your necessities. Then we had a category that was literally titled fun shit. So <laughs> then you pick and choose where can I tweak? You know you can't tweak the fixed income. So maybe you can tweak. Some of the necessities, our grocery bill used to be $500 a month. Then we tweaked it a little. Now it's like $375 a month. And we still eat well. I cook. I cook lobster. I cook scallops. I cook a lot of good shit. But you just shop a little smarter when you know that you're on a budget. So, and we really didn't want to sacrifice the fun shit category. Right. We like to travel. We like to eat nice places. Mm -hmm. And we like to go out for drinks. So, you just got to decide where you want to tweak. But you should walk away adjusting something in your budget right now that's 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 huge and I, I like how simple that is right it's just like don't make it super complex and color-coded and uh filters on the sales like you know you got oh, i've seen some crazy budgets man i'm like wow you spent you should be in another job these are really <laughs> nice budgets but yeah. i will say this if you're a person that likes all of the pops and fireworks and colors mm-hmm. on your budgets there are a lot of great budgeting apps out there um, I personally use Personal Capital. I love that app. It makes everything easy. Now, some people are a little shaky because you have to put in your username and password to all your accounts for it to work. Your mortgage, your car payment, your bank account, your investment account. But you get nice screenshots on there. You can, and I'm not paid by Personal Capital. Personal, um, what did I say? Personal Capital. Thank you. Personal Capital or anything. But it's just, we tried a few, and that's just been the best one because you can just filter it and look at different screens and different charts and different tracking. It's just really, and they send you notifications, you're $200 from going over your budget this month. So mm-hmm. I, I like that. But I don't care how you make your budget, pen, paper, Excel, app, just make a budget. Yeah, no, nah, that's huge. Love it. This podcast episode is sponsored by CapitalWise. CapitalWise is a boutique financial planning firm serving entrepreneurs of high growth companies. We also have investment management services for all. Plan precisely, invest intelligently, capital-wise.
So my next question is, what are some of your go-to like personal finance and investing resources, right? Like either ones that you have used in the past or ones that you still use to today, just, just to kind of keep yourself educated and up to date on kind of what's going on. Man, again, for me, um, I used to have a blog, but I was terrible at keeping up with it. But one of the things I initially wrote in the blog while I did the blog, I said that I would always read Money Magazine and Kiplinger and just all these financial publications. And I'd always see couples or individuals retiring early. And I'm getting this is just a long way to get into your question, uh, to answer your question. But um, I never saw black people. I never saw black people retiring early. I never saw them feature black people that saved this much money by this age. And that's why I initially started um, the blog, like I say, which I don't do anymore, and now the podcast. But to answer your question, I really try to seek out minority couples or minority individuals that are on that path. So honestly, for me, the main two, again, um, rich and regular, they're a couple out of Atlanta, and then Our Rich Journey. They're another couple. Um, they recently retired this year. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, with yeah, them, I think I did but they that. retired yeah. uh-huh. um, early this year, and they've been whether they. I mean, I've told them. Yeah, I've reached out to them and told them they've been great motivators and you know helping not necessarily keep keep me on track, but it is always interesting to see what I guess people or couples you look up to are doing mm-hmm. and so just seeing that okay I'm doing a lot of the same things they're doing right. so they're great resources but past them um, you know I'll pick I'll peep a money article or I'll peep an article online that catches my eye or a YouTube video um, yeah. Minority Mindset um, I can't say his name familiar? Minority Mindset he's a I think he's a he's either Arab or Muslim guy I'm okay. not sure hey, if he hears this I have no idea I'm sorry <laughs> but he has a great channel, so uh, I, would, I, I would defer to him, too. But those are the three main people, uh, individuals that I listen to. But, you know, they'll just, like I said, I'll people article or something like that. Dope. Yeah. Dope, dope. What do you feel like are um, some of the hangups, particularly in the African-American community around um, starting this journey and, and the journey just being better stewards over the, the, your finances? Like, what do you feel like? is some of the challenges or roadblocks as to why it's seemingly a little bit harder for us. Fear and lack of education. Um, I'll start with the lack of education. I mean, a lot of us uh, heard from either our parents or grandparents. Mm -hmm. They didn't know a lot about, you know, investing or saving money. I I was lucky in the fact that my dad was um, into investing, but I know I'm in the minority from that standpoint. So I think the fear or, or... Really, only being taught, save your money, open that savings account, put it in the jar, put it on the mattress. That's just what people were taught. And so that's just what they ran with. And just, just it's just com- it's, a lot of people find comfort in being able to physically see their money. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of them just keep it in the house. It, just physically, oh, I know it's there. I know it's in the safe. I know right where my money is. And the second part is fear. I think a lot of people have... They hear stories on the news, oh, stock market crashed, all these people lost money, and you know, you put your money in there, and you don't know where it's going to go, and I always try to buffer that by saying, you know, if, you, if you're scared to invest, how about this? 
just invest in the stock market. Well, the stock market crashed, the Great Depression. All right, over the last 90 years, even with the Great Depression and two stock market crashes, the stock market has averaged between, depending on what article you read, 9 to 10% for the last 90 years. And I'm usually met with, well, you know, I feel better with money and savings. Your savings account, even with your best super Bank of America platinum, double gold, whatever savings account for the best customers, you're maybe getting 2% and that's on the high end. So I think, like I said, I think it's just fear and lack of knowledge. And sometimes the lack of knowledge thing frustrates me. Um, usually when I hear the lack of knowledge rebuttal, I tell people the story of my dad and I'm like, so it's kind of hard for me to mm, sympathize with the lack of knowledge piece. Mm -hmm. I know it is a piece, but it's hard to keep that as an excuse. I throw out a story about my dad. My dad was, you know, he went to high school, of course. Well, not of course. He went to high school. He never stepped foot on a college campus. Uh, he worked in a factory. I remember coming home from school. My dad, in his 40s, could barely read. He, um, he would break out the hooked on phonics tapes and he would break out one of those plastic packets with the some investing cassette tapes but I guess long story less long if my dad could learn to invest with no internet no Google just a couple cassette tapes mm -hmm. it's just hard for me to fathom that anybody today can't so I'm not even sure it's that people can't grasp the concept of investing in 2019 I think they don't um, usually when I met with people who say I don't have time to learn to invest I'll say uh, how long you been on Facebook what you watch on TV this week oh I watch this what just give me money through Friday mm -hmm. uh, shit, that's that's like four or five hours right. right so I usually challenge people you know take 20 minutes a day first day go watch a video on YouTube second day Go read an article on Google. Third day, go watch another video on um, YouTube. Just take 20 minutes a day. In two weeks, you can know everything that you need to know about investing. That's it. 20 minutes a day for two weeks, Saturday and Sunday included. <laughs> you um, can learn everything you need to know about investing. Um, so, so it's not an excuse, know. right? You just have to. You have to want it. You just have to. You just have to want it, man. Yeah. I mean, because we can get out here and we can learn about everything else you know we can filter it up on Instagram I'm not shitting on any of that stuff I do all that stuff too but you just and we see the meals you just, <laughs> you just gotta prioritize man and I, I feel like changing like this generation we have a great opportunity if your if your family if the lineage of your family is poor financial decisions you have the chance to change that you know and I hear people say oh, I wish I started earlier that's fine you can start now and you can start right now and if your plan is to work to 65 cool you can still retire high six figures 800 million dollars you just got to make the decision now it is and these people that I see retire early they're not making crazy salaries I'm not talking about people making two three hundred thousand I'm talking about people with maybe a combined house income of a hundred thousand dollars seventy thousand dollars they have made it happen because they focused on it and decided to make it happen. So I think it's really just, it's a mindset, mm -hmm. you know. Nah, that's so. real. That's real. So I know you, you post a lot about 
like your family and your son in particular and how important is it for you as he gets older to kind of understand and grasp the principles and the concepts of of the life that you you guys were able to create as a result of the financial decisions that you guys have made oh yeah man it's super important i um i want to pass along some of the things that my dad taught me i mean i don't i'm not sure index funds existed when my dad was um you know um starting to invest in everything Mm -hmm. in his 40s but you know i just want to i think it's very important for him to have a good understanding because what i believe is what i'm building upon what my dad taught me and so if i can build upon that with my son then my son can build upon that you know it'll go on for years long after i'm gone i mean the principles will stick around and so I mean, my go- my parents retired. My dad retired around 56, 57. I plan to retire around 44, 45. Hopefully, I should still be alive when he gets there. So it would be really dope to see my son, if he chooses to, retire between 30 and 35. Or to at least have the option to do so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course, it's super important. And, you know, I don't know what the climate of education will be by the time he gets re- gets college age. But... You know, if he doesn't want to go to college and let's say he wants to start a business, you know, building, you know, these foundations for him now, you know, he'll have that option if he wants to go ahead and start that business or do X, Y, Z. Because, I mean, from the, not from the day he was born, from the month he was born, uh, we opened an investment account for him. So we have even, like I said earlier, we have goals for ourselves financially, but we also have goals for his account. So by the time he gets to kindergarten, we had a goal for him. By the time he gets to first grade, we have a goal for his account. Fifth grade and so on, we have goals, mm-hmm. milestones for his account. So, of course, he doesn't appreciate it. He doesn't know anything about money now. He's right. four. But hopefully by the time he's like nine, ten, he'll start getting the interest in his account and his money. Maybe even before then. We'll see. But I'm not going to force it on him, really. But I'm just, I, even now, I do things. I'll give him hey, here's five pieces of candy. Sure, you can eat it all now if you want, or you can save a little for later. So just passively yeah. trying to instill um, some of those principles within them. Yep. Kind of stuff. Yep, yep. No, that's cool. That's really, really cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your podcast, yep. Weed and Wealth. How would you arrive at that? Uh, I mean, I, I, could, I can obviously make some context clues, <laughs> right? How would you arrive at that? I like weed and I like wealth. Hey, um, so I decided to start the podcast because one, I just wanted a way to get information out about investing, about budgeting, um, about financial freedom, but also I wanted to kind of erase the stereotype. I know there's a lot of stereotypes that people have about weed. Uh, usually the stereotypes are lazy, unmotivated, um, you know, just a lot of negative stereotypes around people who smoke weed. So I wanted to erase those stereotypes sure. and show people that there's plenty of people that smoke weed out there that are educated, um, work in corporate America, and are financially savvy. So that's where, you know, I actually, actually thought about it while driving to get weed. So <laughs> um, that's where it all came from. Yeah, but, yeah. Now my, my sister, she, as you know, by how we originally met. So yeah, let me quick tangent. Let me tell you how cool this guy is. So we connected. He's at my sister's house. I was stopping by. I was in the area, 
and he was telling me about uh, Adidas having a, you know, their sample sale, whatever they call it. And I heard those. I've been to one before, but for whatever reason, I couldn't make it in that window. So he goes out there because he's going anyway, and he's FaceTiming me, uh, showing me the deal. Hey, you want these? These, these, these are these fresh? And so like we kind of went back and forth, and he picked up some stuff that I still wear to this day. So <laughs> so appreciate shout out to so that Adidas hoodie y'all see me wearing in the gym. Uh, that was that was definitely uh, brought to you by my man Mr. Weedabuff himself. But hey, um, man, no problem. But now I um I love love the concept. You know, love the concept and. You know, I'm starting to learn more about it, even from because I I won't say I was one of the people that negatively associated a stigma with it. I just didn't, didn't do it. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my sister did it, whatever. Um, but when I had like went through my health journey and um, had my spinal fusion surgery, had a tumor removed, and I knew mm-hmm. I didn't want to like always have to rely on like Western medicine. I started right. looking for holistic stuff, and that's when I started to explore CBD and then weed a little bit more. And I can honestly say I have a much greater appreciation for it for sure and that's another reason i like doing it i mean i don't just talk i don't just talk about weed i talk about cbd products and different areas because i'm i've never really or at least for the last i'll say 15 or so years i've mm-hmm. never really been a fan of taking medicine medicine so on the podcast i don't just talk about weed i guess from a blanket statement i talk about different strains of weed and how like this strain may be for anxiety, depression, and this is a good pre-work strain because there's, there's a lot of strains that are just good for pre-work. It promotes creativity. It just promotes energy. And there's some that's good sleep strains, and there's just different CBDs um, that you can take for different ailments. So I just try to not only erase the um, stigma on weed, I just try to educate for people who may not know about weed. And if you live in a state where weed's not legal, a lot of people say, ah, what's the point of bothering with CBD? Um, CBD, you pretty much get, I'll say, 90 plus percent of the benefit for smoking weed just without the high. And there's a lot of people that don't like getting high. And so it's been cool to see people that like, ah, I didn't know you could smoke CBD. I mean, here in Charlotte, we have a couple of great CBD dispensaries. The bud looks just like a weed bud. You grind it, you roll it, you smoke it. So, and like I said, you Daytime strains, nighttime strains for any particular ailments. It's just, it's been fun doing that part of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Educating people and similar to the wealth, right? It's like just yep, yep, yep. breaking down the stigma of what you what you think about it. It's not right. just for the, the old white guy, right? You and I and everybody in between can achieve it. It just might look different. You have to you shift your priorities um, when it comes to building it. So actually, before I go into this next question, what are your thoughts? Because we see a lot of people now venturing into the industry, right? Like, oh, everybody wants to open a dispensary. They can't wait, um, which I can respect and appreciate because it could, it, it will be a surge uh, for the economy in that regard. But what are your thoughts on that industry? Do you see yourself, you know, in early retirement, having your own dispensary or being in the industry in any capacity? Do you currently invest in weed stocks? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that aspect of it? Me, like I said before, I'm pretty lazy, man. I don't see me starting a um, CBD dispensary. Um, and I'll do the investment question first. A lot of people ask me about, should I buy this weed stock? Should I buy this one? And I say no. And the reason I say no, I'm 110% sure the industry is going to pop. It's already popping. There's a lot of money to be made in it. But it's a very immature industry. So, I don't think anybody knows for sure what particular company is going to be the one to put weed on the map. And I tell people it's kind of like 
think about cars back in the day. I'm sure there were some other cars other than the Model T Ford that tried to get popping back in the day, but and people put money into that. But it was a new industry, so nobody knew what car company was going to be the one to make it. So that's why I, I never recommend any particular weed company or stock. Maybe a Vanguard or Charles Schwab jumped into it and made a mutual fund. I'm like, okay, I trust those guys, but yeah. past that, no. And as far as partaking in it, uh, I tell anybody, don't just pop into any CBD shop. You need to be a little mindful of what you're ingesting in your body. So I wouldn't go to the weed shop, that's the CBD shop that sells flip-flops and hangers. I wouldn't go there, but <laughs> I've, I've learned over the last couple of years that Anybody that smokes weed or takes CBD, they are very, very particular, and they don't mind writing a harsh review. So if you see a place, look it up. If it has anything less than four and a half stars, don't go. Those people are really particular. You can trust those reviews. And just a little bit further, if you get CBD oil, ask for third-party testing. That's how you know it's not just a guy up the street putting some, I don't know, olive oil in a bottle and selling it to you right you can always get the paperwork for third-party testing Mm -hmm. to make sure that um you're getting what you're actually getting got it so that's a good tidbit so you know as we as of this podcast we're closing out 2019 um it's been a great year as you posted i saw the other day i think you or somebody else posted great year for the stock market great year um what are you most excited about i mean whether it's you know your your portfolio whether it's Life, your son, like, what are you most excited about going into 2020? What am I most excited about? You know, I've been looking at this um, sweatshirt I want to order that says I'm not excited. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I have a limited range of emotion. But I'm pretty excited about, uh, we're, we're about to hit a pretty big financial uh, milestone, our portfolio by the end of this month, knock on wood, if no crazy tweaks come out. <laughs> right. um, it's crazy that that, that right. has an impact, right? But we should hit the $700,000 mark, and Ooh, that is close. way ahead of schedule. That's about six months ahead of schedule. I didn't think our portfolio would get there until July or August of 2020, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, our son's starting kindergarten uh, next year. So that's pretty exciting. Get that daycare bill off us. Hey, so are you gonna, now are you going to redirect that money to investing, or is that going to go to the the what is it fun shit category? Man, anytime or, or we have get fifty fifty, anytime we get a bonus or extra money or anything like that, we usually just keep twenty percent for ourselves, and then the rest goes towards um, investments. Plans, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's what it'll be. But it'll be great to get that off. And then there's you know working on some things in the background. Um, have a strong interest in living um, or working overseas for my last few years of um, working in corporate America. So, you know, we'll see what happens. There's a there's a good, I have a potentially good opportunity to maybe take it to, to take the family to Toronto or Germany next year. So I'm nice. excited um, about seeing how that pans out. And yeah, man, that's just it, man. Just, you know, Living life as normal, take a couple trips here and there, pretty chill, keep a relaxed year, like low key. So, I say those are things I'm probably looking forward most to next year. Dope, dope, man. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on, man. It, it, if people want to tap in with you, keep up with you, well, where's the best place to do that? 
Man, really the only place to catch me is on Instagram um, at weed underscore and wealth. That's weed underscore A-N-D wealth. And if anybody ever has any investment questions or anything, let me know. Oh, that's something else I'm excited about. Crap, just thought about it. So I'm going to try to take uh, the investment knowledge to a different direction. Maybe try to monetize it to a degree. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, not 100% sure I'm crafting it, but yeah. kind of a one-on-one conversation for an hour for a flat fee to help people set a budget, help people... Um, pick a couple mutual funds and you know yeah that's really the plan too yeah but yeah the weed underscore and IG and you can catch the podcast weed and wealth on all major podcasting platforms iHeartRadio Apple Spotify um, wherever you listen to podcasts so yeah those are the best places to catch me Yo, well, we appreciate you coming on, man, dropping some gems and sharing some game. Let everybody know that, to your point, like, I, I love them, too. Like, you can be rich and regular, right? Like, you can be exactly where you are, um, get started, and you look up with a little bit of commitment and completely change change your life. So, thanks for sharing those gems, man. No problem, man. I appreciate you having me. And, yeah, as I say on the end of the podcast, I wish everybody nothing but weed and wealth. <laughs> I love it. Peace. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Podcast. Whether you've listened to one episode or 40 episodes, I am so grateful for you taking any amount of time out of your day to listen to my show. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show me that you have an appreciation for this content is to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with at least three friends because that helps us spread the word, right? We don't have a big marketing budget over here at the Uncensored uh, Podcast Studios, which is my home office, by the way, but we do have your support. And with that support, we can reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So guys, thanks so much uh, for your support. Please share this with three friends and leave a review, and we'll see you on the next episode.